Amen. Hey, if you got a Bible, I'm going to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, that's where we'll be here shortly. But uh, we are finishing up this series called uh, Christ-Centered today. And just to kind of recap where we've been, for those of you guys may have missed one or two or uh, just now checking us out, um, man, we, uh, we've, we started this series just to talk about how all of the Bible points forward to Jesus. And if we begin to grasp the Bible through a Christ-centered lens, it's going to change the way that we read it. It's going to change the way that we live it out. And so um, we started the series on week one just talking about how Christ himself viewed himself this way, right? Um, Jesus himself talked about how I am the center of everything and, uh, and then uh, week two, we talked about how Adam and Eve, as they're removed from the garden, um, that, uh, that the snake crusher, the child of Eve that would be a snake crusher, was not pointing forward to Eve's son. It was pointing forward to Jesus, who would be that snake crusher. We talked about how Noah, that the rainbow, is ultimately pointing forward to Jesus. We talked about how Abraham, uh, that Jesus was the descendant of Abraham, that would be a blessing to all nations. We talked about how Moses... Um, was a mediator between God and man, but Jesus is the ultimate mediator between God and man. And today we dive into um, one of my favorite stories as a kid, David and Goliath. And it was my favorite story because it was bloody and it was a battle and it was fun. Okay, so the young boys in the room, you're going to enjoy this today because we get to see a head cut off and all kind of fun stuff, okay? Um, if it makes you queasy, sorry. All right, this is the Bible. So we're going to do our best with this. Um, but just to kind of catch you up on where we are, right? Last, last week we talked about Moses. And Moses was the, the, the leader of the nation of Israel or the people of Israel that, that led them out of captivity all the way up to the, to the toes headed into the promised land. But because of some disobedience in Moses' heart, uh, God did not allow him to, uh, to, to head into the promised land. But... Moses, uh, Moses value, one of our values here at East, one of our staff values is who is you? And that's our leadership value of who are you investing in? So Moses himself had a personal value of who is you? And he had invested in a guy named Joshua, right? And so Joshua becomes the new leader of, of the people of Israel. And he leads them across the Jordan River. And uh, God said, man, own everything, take everything. Don't leave any people here in the land of Canaan that I promised you. And they almost do that. They leave a few people, uh, the Philistines being one, which we'll get to here in a little bit, um, or one of the people that they didn't run out of the land. But they settle in. They've kind of become a nation. Before this, they were just a really big family, just a big people. But now they've settled into the land of Canaan. They've become a nation. Uh, God appointed judges to lead them. But then the people said, we want a king just like everybody else. We want a king. And so uh, God appoints for them, the first king of Israel, and his name was Saul. And Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was, the, he was the epitome of a king. If you could draw a picture of a king, he was it. He was the one that, that the people wanted, and so God, God gives them Saul. And, um, and so the story that we're going to look at today is in the midst of that. Saul's still king over Israel. They own most of the land of Canaan, but they're now facing one of these these nations, one of these people that they didn't defeat when God told them to defeat everybody. They left the Philistines there. And so we're going to look at this story um, as, as a, just a, a reminder to us and some good things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I've got notes. If you're, if you're a note taker, um, they were available online. We're going to try to make those things available to you and, and send them an email too. So if you're a note taker, you can print it out before you come. 
Um, but we're in the midst of this, uh, this, this first king's reign, Saul, and Saul had led his man, men into many great battles, but now he stands before probably their, their largest foe, which is the Philistines. And so the valley, the valley of Soko, it goes by other names, but the valley of Soko is where this battle is taking place. And I'm talking about this is, um, this is the movie scene. Right? You've ever watched a war movie, you've ever watched anything intense, this is the moment. Imagine there's a mountain on one side, a mountain on the other, and a valley in between. And on one side of the mountain, on one mountain, the Israelites. And they're all camped and they're ready to go. They've got all their gear, all their, all their uh, weaponry, and they're ready to take, the other, uh, take down the Philistines. And then down the mountain and across the mile-wide valley and up another mountain are the Philistines. And they're camped there the same way. Man, they're, they're sitting on go. They're ready. And the first morning that the battle is supposed to begin, they get up, they prepare for battle, and the Philistines, instead of sending their army into the valley, they send one man, a giant behemoth of a man named Goliath. Goliath walks down. That's what you would have called him too, right? But that's his name. And so he comes down the mountain and he stands in the middle of the valley the first morning of the battle and he begins to scream out awful things to the nation of Israel who are camped on the other mountain. He's, he's using every four-letter word you can imagine. He's ugly. To, he's talking about who God, he's talking about their God. He's making fun of them. He's talking about how weak they are. He's talking some awful trash right there in the valley. And the Israelites... They're there on the other on this mountain. Sorry, I'm getting backwards. He came down the mountain that way. They're on the they're on this mountain, and the Philistine the uh, the Israelites they don't come down the mountain. There's one guy in the valley, and they don't go down because they know that he's too big for any of them to defeat. And so he just continues forty days. Can you imagine how much trash has been talked every day for forty days? Goliath comes down the mountain in the morning. And he talks trash, and the Israelites eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and go to bed. And then they get up the next morning. Here comes Goliath down the hill, and he talks trash all day, and they never step foot in the valley with him. But all that changes one day when a guy named Jesse sends his youngest son to go check on his three older brothers who were in the battle. And they send, his name was David. He was a little shepherd. He was He was handsome which means he wasn't a warrior, all right? He was a pretty boy. But his father sends him to go check on his older, his older uh, brothers. And he comes and he hears. And I know this is a lot of story, but we're going to get to the scripture inside. I've got to give you the background. He hears what's going on in the valley. He comes up on day 40 and what he hears in the valley is a man talking awful about who God is. And David, for lack of a better word, Ask everyone there. All the warriors, all the men who have been trained to fight says, who's going to shut that guy up? And they all say, not us. He's been doing this for 40 days. And David says, I'll do it. The man who's not prepared for battle, the man who ha- who's not a warrior, he steps in. So we're going to talk about that. What we're going to do is I'm going to read you the passage of Scripture um, of what happens when David goes down into the valley. And then we're going to pray and we're going to come back and look at it, okay? I know that was a really long introduction, but it was important. All right, so 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where we're going to start, beginning in verse 40. David, instead of taking the king's armor, 
took his staff, his shepherd's staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his pouch, in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? And then he cursed David by his gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God, and this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. We say a word of prayer, and we'll dive in. Father God, I love you, God, and I thank you that that we have stories like uh, David and Goliath, God, that teach us so much. And I pray, God, today that as, as I begin to, uh, to teach from this passage, God, I pray that you would um, just open our eyes to who you are. God, may we all leave here with a better understanding of who you are and what that means for us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I have heard and I have, re- I have read this passage over and over again, literally had parts of it memorized um, as a kid because I loved it so much. Um, and we always talk about just the, the, man, the courage that David had, right? How in the world can we have courage like David did to go and face a man like Goliath who was, who was just so much feet, literally feet bigger than him, like how, what, what, what kind of courage it would take to do that. And, and I, we wish we could have that courage. And most of the time when we read the scripture and we hear it preached, that's, the, that's what's coming on. But we're missing part of it. If you just focus on David's courage, you miss what's going on in David's life. So I'm going to show you David acted by killing Goliath. But there's three things going on behind the scenes here. Three ways David acted. Number one, if you're a note taker, David acted boldly through God's power. Right? So... We always think about David acting boldly, but we've got to remember where that boldness came from. It came from God's power. Just to go back to the scripture, the Philistines standing there talking some awful trash um, about David, making fun of him and all these things. And David said to the Philistine, he doesn't say, oh yeah, you may be bigger than me, but I'm about to take you down, big boy. That's not what he says. What does he say? He said, you've come against me with all this heavy stuff, all this armor, whatever. I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, right? I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. And today he's going to hand you over to me. I love this mainly because it's good trash talking. I was never a good trash talker. Um, I came across more like Wally Cleaver. Y'all guys know Wally Cleaver, you know what I'm talking about? Um, That's the kind of trash talk. Oh, yeah. That's about all I had. Uh, some of you guys are great trash talkers, but that, not me. That was not me. I played sports and stuff, but I never knew what to say. Um, Goliath knew, right? Goliath is taught. He's saying all the right things. David should be intimidated, but he stands. But he's not speaking of his own power. That's the, what's going on here. David says, you got a few things wrong. The birds, are the, birds and the beasts, they're going to eat today, but it ain't my flesh. It's yours and all them sissies up on the mountain. 
right? I mean, David is calling them out. I'm going to strike you down and cut your head off. If you've ever had that in a fight, if someone's ever said that to you in a fight, you probably thought, man, you're a little crazy. David's a little crazy. David's coming across like a wild man here. But it's, it's all because of the power of God. Imagine the Israelites that are back up on the mountain, right? Because David doesn't just say, I'm going to cut your head off. He said, and we're going to kill all y'all up there. And the Israelites are back here going, hey, don't bring us into this. Ho up. Don't bring us in. Y'all ever had, some of you, there was one, Patrick said he had a buddy like this in the first, when we talked on the first service, but you ever had a, a, a buddy, there, these guys exist, some of y'all may be this person, um, who rope other people in? You know, you talk trash for other people, they're just your buddy, but before you know it, they've roped you into a fight or an argument or something like that. Well, he said it was, he said the same thing, and you be, that's what David, <laughs> that's Mike, uh, Mike may be that way, um, <laughs> But that's, that's the Israelites, man. They're going, whoa, don't bring us into this, David. They're already scared to death. See, I didn't know David. He died long before I was born. But I have confidence in what he would say to you today about where his boldness came from. He said the same thing he said to Goliath. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Goliath was a warrior. He had a huge spear. His spear... I don't, I don't think it tells us how long it was, but the head of it weighed 15 pounds. Can you imagine a long stick that has a 15-pound weight on the end of it? How hard that would be to even hold, let alone throw it. Goliath was a man, he had a track record. And when he came down the mountain, he came down in his own authority. He came down bold because he had laid uh, many men to rest in his battles before. But David comes down the other side of the mountain in the same power and the same boldness, but not of his own strength and reputation. He comes down acknowledging his own weakness. David knew that all he had was a stick, a stone, and a stone, a, a stick, a sling, and a little fanny pack with stones. That's all he had. And David knew he was weak. David knew he wasn't a warrior. Listen, church. Before you and I can ever stand in the boldness of God, we have to acknowledge our weakness. If we don't acknowledge that we are weak and unable to handle the things that come our li- in our, our way, then we can never stand fully trusting in the power of God. And just like David, man, we have to recognize, yeah, I may not be much. I may not be much to look at, but I'm not coming in my own power. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. This is what he does. The boldness to face things begins with recognizing who we are and then recognizing who God is. But the second thing I want you to understand about this, as David acts boldly through God's power, he could have come down the mountain in the power of God and just kept his mouth shut, right? And just let us let God do the talking for him. But he speaks. He speaks. Everybody gathered there today. No one wondered the power that David was bringing to the table that day. Everyone knew where his power was coming from. The problem that you and I have, even when we rest fully in who God is, and we, we're, we're put into situations where it takes fully resting in who God is, right? And we, we recognize our weakness, and we say, God, you've got to help me through this. I can't get through A, B, or C, whatever it is you're facing. I can't get through that without you. And God gives you the strength to do it and to endure it. Cancer treatments... Right? The death of a loved one, a, a, a child, death of a child, something awful. Right? 
I think what the reason why we need to recognize that David opened his mouth, the same thing goes for us. Church, when we stand and God stands strong in us and through us, we need to acknowledge, right? Because there are going to be people asking you, right? How do you, how, why, how do you have a smile on your face going through those cancer treatments? How are you so bubbly? Right? You know where your strength comes from. Speak it. Tell them. Man, apart from God, I'd, I'd be washed up. Man, how did you stand and speak at, at that funeral or at this or what? Man, it wasn't me. It was God, right? We can act boldly through God's power, but we need to speak it as well as we're doing that. That's what David was able to do. And thousands and thousands who stood by that day on both mountains heard where David's power came from. He was not only a lifestyle witness, he was a verbal witness to the goodness of God. And his faithfulness to speak up was even more strategic than that. I actually want to to move to point number two. David acted strategically for God's purpose. David acted strategically for God's purpose. This is where I want to read the scripture to you again. Um, After David does his trash talk um, about what he's going to do to David, and I won't read it again if it makes you queasy, all right? But then he says this, then why, why am I going to do this? Why is God going to hand you over to me today? This is what he says. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is his. Now, these are my favorite verses growing up. This is what I had memorized. I love because I ever thought, hey, if I ever get in a fight, this is what I'm going to say. And maybe God will help me through it because I was not a big kid. Um, This is one of the verses I had memorized, but I never paid attention to this. I never thought about the flow of thought that's going on in this passage that David said, this is why God's going to hand you over to me so that all the world will know that Israel has a God. Why, why, why did David see fit to stand in that moment so that all the world will know long before Jesus ever spoke the Great Commission, right? To go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, all that thing. Long before that, David's doing partially that, right? Da- David is sharing of the goodness of God with the entire world. He says, that's why God's going to hand you over to me today so that all the world will know that God is real here in Israel, But that's not all he sought to do. Verse 47, he says, This whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is already his. David's action, what's the assembly he's talking about? He's talking about the Israelites on the hill whose knees are still knocking. That's who he's talking about, the assembly. He says, not only am I going to strike you down today so that all the world will know, I'm doing it so that all the sissies up on the hill back here who were too afraid to face Goliath, will recognize that we have a God who's bigger than a sword and a shield. And he's big enough to take down the enemies that he already promised to give us. He wanted them to see the faithfulness of God and to see God more clearly. And that's why he was willing to stand in the valley. And what happened when this scared bunch of sissies, what happened to them? Their knees are knocking. And David slings that stone. I didn't read that part earlier, but he, he kills him. Okay, he does. Hits him in the forehead. Goliath falls down. And, and if, 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 uh, you know, if a big guy falls, you might want to go hit him again, okay, just to make sure he stays down because he may get back up, right? And that's what David does. David goes and he unsheaths Goliath's own sword, stabs him with it, and then cuts his head off. Gory, I know. It's the Bible. 
And this is, look at what happens in verse, uh, at the end of 51 and 52. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, the one who they placed their confidence in, they fled. The men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting their battle cry, and chased the Philistines to the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron. Philistine bodies were strewn everywhere. You see, the Israelites, they're scared to death. They can't defeat Goliath. But once he's dead, that changes everything. And they rush down the mountain and chase. They go down the mountain, across the one-mile valley, and back up the mountain and chase after the Philistines. These once scared sissies. They take off. They're empowered now. David's act of boldness, yes, it magnified the name of God among the nations, but it also encouraged the assembly of believers. Listen, church, our acts of boldness, your acts of boldness, when you stand firm in who God is, you acknowledge your weakness, yet you stand firm knowing that God's going to give you the power to get through that, and you begin to share that with other people, you do two things. You're a testimony to the lost world around you that there is a real God that they can trust in and believe in because they've seen him work in you. And it also encourages the church. Man, there's nothing I get more fired up about than hearing testimony of life change to see God use someone else in our church to make a difference in somebody else's life. Man, that gets me more fired up than a sundrop. And that's hard. It pumps me up to hear. I get excited when I, when I think about how God is using other people and it should fire all of us up. David's actions here, listen, they were sovereignly strategic on God's part to accomplish his purposes. Two purposes. More glory for him among the nations and a better view of God for the Israelites. And so we too must act boldly, just as David did to face things in our life and uh, act boldly and strategically through God's power and for his purposes. And those are good things for us to recognize. And usually that's where the story of David ends, right? That's the sermon, that's the end of the sermon. But there's so much more going on here. The image of David goes f- so much further than you and I can then, then we can go on the surface we see the actions of David and the power of God and, and in, for the purposes of God but below the surface is something so much greater there was a story that God was weaving just as we've done every single week there's a story that God is weaving together behind the scenes that you and I can see the Israelites wouldn't have seen it but you and I can see it on this side of the cross and that's this number three David acted representatively That's a hard word. It's up here. David acted representatively. I'm not even sure it's a real word, but it's in there. As God's salvation. David acted representatively as God's salvation. So I want to share this story with you again, but I want to take out the names. I want to take out some of the details. There's a group of people over here. General terms, right? A group of people over here. And they're looking at their enemy. And their enemy's large. Their enemy is it's massive. There's lots of enemies. There's, there's lots of things that they've got to face. Lots of difficulties ahead of them. But all the difficulties that they see are nothing compared to what they see right before them. What they see right before them 
is an inconquerable enemy of sin. When they look, they see cancer, they see financial trouble, they see all these things over on the hill. And they think those things are bad, but maybe we could get through that. Maybe we could defeat those enemies. They also see uh, hindrances to a good life, hindrances to happiness and joy and all those things on the hill. But what they see in the valley is a giant that they cannot defeat. And they know, man, if we could just get over there, maybe we could have the, maybe we could have the victory that we feel like we could have. But in the valley is someone that we cannot defeat. You see, every person in here was born with, an, with a problem, and that problem is sin. And there's nothing you can do. You can go and you can beat on his chest. You can do your best to overcome him. You can strategize and, and do all those things. You cannot defeat sin in your life. What we need is someone to fight on our behalf. But we look around at each other, especially at this crowd. Goodness. And ain't none of y'all that can fight the battle for sin for me, right? Because y'all are all just like me. What we need is somebody different from us. We don't need a warrior. We need somebody different. We need a hero. And just as, just as we're looking into this valley and we see you and I are on the hill and we're looking at the valley and we see the giant of sin in our life and we know none of us can defeat it, someone steps between us and sin. Someone descends the hill for us. And his name was Jesus. He wasn't like us, though he looked like us. He was totally different. But he took on the flesh of a warrior. He took on the flesh of a human being, and he came down the mountain to fight the, the giant that you and I could never conquer on our own. And he fought for us. And he took sin down, and he didn't leave him down. He didn't knock him unconscious. He cut his head off. <laughs> He totally, once and for all, defeated sin so that you and I can step across the dead carcass of sin on our way to fight the other battles that no doubt lay ahead of us. To deal with the distractions and the frustrations of life so that we can experience the joy and the freedom that comes in what God had already promised us. God already told him he was going to defeat the Philistines. God's already told you he wants you to have an abundant life. But you've got to deal with the sin. What you've got to recognize is that Christ already did it for you, church. Christ has already defeated the sin in your life, and all you must do, it's a big all, <laughs> but you and I have to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We've got to recognize that we're weak, unable to defeat Goliath, the Goliath of sin. We've got to trust in who God is and allow him to change us and allow him to take. He's already defeated the enemy. You and I just have to accept it. We need to turn from our sin and to trust in who Jesus is. See, you and I are not David. We're the sissies on the mountain. We're the ones unable to fight the battles before us. That's why Martin Luther in the 1500s pen the words to the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it's written in English that we don't necessarily use, but hang in there with me. Did we in our own strength confide 
our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Saboeth, his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. You see, you and I, right now, if you've never trusted in Jesus, this is what you're facing. You can't even deal with the stuff in your life. You can't even enjoy the freedom and joy of life because there stands one in the valley between you and an abundant life. But here's what you don't know. He's already dead. Christ already defeated him for you. You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Trust in him fully and you can, you can step as I have over the dead body of sin and enjoy the fullness of life. I would love to talk with you about how you can do that today. Don't leave this place living in fear that there, uh, or the reality that there's something that's separating you from what God wants you to have. And if you are a Christian and you've already recognized that sin is dead in your life, quit living like he ain't. Right? I mean, I'm preaching it to me too, okay? But we live as if the, if the giant's still in the valley. We live in fear of taking what God has promised us, which is a joyful life and an abundant life, because we act as if the giant's still in the valley separating us from that. He's not. He's dead. Today, you may need to come talk to us about following Jesus. We'd love to talk with you about that. The only one who can remove this giant from your life. Or you may be a Christian and you may need to remind yourself daily that the real, the, the real giant that you couldn't conquer is dead. And now Christ wants to help you conquer the rest. We want to give you an opportunity to respond today. It was a different kind of message. Storytelling, and I'm not a good storyteller, but I hope it clicked with you. I hope you understand that, that, uh, that this is what God has done for us. We would love to talk with you uh, about salvation, about even joining this church. I know it's a weird time to join a church. We're all masked up and weird and <laughs> awkward around each other. We, can't, we don't know if we can shake hands or hug, but we still would love to talk with you about how you can be a part of what God is doing and is going to continue to do here at Lindsay Lane East. Or any other decision, you may just want to come and pray at the altar and, and talk to God about the giant that you feel like is still alive in your life. Come and acknowledge before him that it's dead and, uh, and just ask him to help you live an abundant life. I'm going to say a word of prayer. I'll be here up front. We'll have two counselors back by the back door to talk with you. You can come forward to talk to us. You can go back to talk to them. You can stand and sing after I pray or respond as God leads. Father, we love you, God, and we do know. God, we know that Apart from your help, God, we can never conquer anything. Um, God, marriage is hard. Kids are hard. Having a job is hard. God, just getting up um, every day knowing what's going on around our world right now is hard. But God, those are, the, those are the Philistines on the hill. God, you've already put to death the thing in our life that we can't conquer. And God, that was sin. And so today, God, I pray that if there's anybody here who's never trusted in Jesus, that they would. God, if there's anybody listening online, God, I pray that they would search their heart now and ask that question. And God, they would begin to pursue a relationship with you through Jesus and that they would reach out. God, for those online, that they would reach out through our text message uh, connect card. God, for those here, I pray that they would talk to a counselor today. 
God, help us to love you and help us to, to live for you each day. God, be with this time of response. May it be a time that honors you. In Jesus' name.